doing long ago. It's not, it's not an indication that our elders and deacons aren't doing their job well now. It's not an indication that, that there's this you know, huge gap that we need to be filled in or anything like that. This is simply, every two years, we take the time to reflect and ask ourselves, who is, who, who is the person or the persons that, that could do this job extremely well? And so that's, that's part of uh, why we do this. On the next slide, uh, you'll see the list of our current elders. And we have three of them in the room this morning. Paul's been leading worship this morning. Or we got four of them in the room this morning. That's, that's fantastic. So Dave's in here this morning. Dave's sitting right here. He's one of our elders. Dale's sitting in the back. You'll, you'll see Dale every now and then. And then Leon's over here. And he's going to get up and, and read the announcements or the uh, prayer requests here at the end. So... Our five elders, Rick Bliss is the fifth. He's down with the Spanish ministry where he does a lot of ministry down there. Those are our current five elders. So if you put their names on the box, on the list, um, it's a shoe-in, right? <laughs> yeah, but we, I'd recommend that you don't do that um, unless you want to. I mean, it's, it's your ballot. Do with it what you want. Uh, the next slide has all of our current deacons. Okay, so if you're one of these deacons, will you stand up just, just for a moment so people can kind of associate who you are? Yeah. Good, good, good. Yay! Yeah. That's fine. We have 13 current deacons. Chris is actually up in the sound booth. I didn't see him stand up, so he did. Okay, good. I wasn't looking, so... Uh, there you go. So those are our current deacons. If you put them down for deacon, again, it's a pretty good bet you're going to get your choice. Uh, but it's also a pretty good bet you've had it for the last two years. So there, there you go. As you're filling out your forms and having conversations with people, and we do recommend you have conversations with people. If you're going to put somebody down to be an elder or a deacon, it might be, it might be worth asking, hey, do you want to do this? Uh, that, that might be a good conversation to have. Uh, but it's also important to know who's currently serving in those capacities. All right, everybody feel good about it? Wonderful. In 2001, Jennifer Lopez released a single, Love Don't Cost a Thing. And I've got bad news for you. She lied. Earlier this year, there was a group in Canada that wanted to determine the cost of love. And so they worked very, very hard to put a numerical value on this. And the value they put on it was $61,820.60. That is the cost of love. Heard one guy say cheap. (laughs) Good, good, good. So the way they broke this down was that there was a year of dating, there was a year of engagement, and then there was the wedding. So for the first year of dating... Here's how they broke that down. There are 12 fancy dates for $3,330.50. They did not go into detail about what that meant, but given the price tag, I think a lot of us could kind of come up with some ideas. 24 casual dates, $521.22. The math on that is not that bad. It's, it's a relatively, you know, decent. 12 movie dates, which are more expensive than the 24 casual dates, uh, I don't know what theater they're going to. If you go to Woodbury uh, during the day, it's $5. So, again, just free date ideas. Just t- take these in. It's, it's a good, good thing. Flowers for $140. Those are, I, I assume it's multiple times with flowers, but maybe that's just based on who I am. Uh, wardrobe, $1,346.66. 
That felt a little high to me, but you know. <laughs> Lindsay and I dated when we were in college, so my income was probably about that for the year. Uh, and then the other expenses, this was not a Christian group that put this together, so they had some other ideas of what might cost some money. $4,774.50. For a grand total, first year of dating, $10,000. $638.84. You can buy love, apparently. Then you have a year of engagement. How exciting. Dates, wardrobes, flowers, $5,178. Good for you. Engagement ring, almost $5,000. Okay. And then the engagement party, which was not a thing when we went to college. Maybe it is now. I, I've I haven't been to an engagement party, been to lots of wedding receptions, but never an engagement party. So if, if that's your kind of thing, good for you, but you could probably save $2,000 if it's not. So there you go. I'm a pragmatist. And then the wedding, the wedding itself, bridal expenses, $2,105. I thought that wasn't that bad. Like, I've seen enough reality TV not that I watch this regularly, but I've seen enough of it to know that that feels like a steal. That feels like a steal. Groom expenses, $637, which felt a little steep to me, so I don't know. It goes both ways. It goes both ways. The honeymoon, $2,423.50. Good for them. Wedding ceremony, $2,875. I, again, conceptually wasn't quite there, but, but okay, whatever. But the reception, $15,227. Right, again, maybe it's just the weddings I go to, but $15,000 for a reception felt pretty steep, which was $23,267.50. Or $23, now, if you did the math between those three, that does not add up to $61,820.60, but it's what they said. So, again, I don't know. That's the value of love. If that is what love costs, love is either expensive or inexpensive, depending on who you are. You can try to put a monetary amount on what you believe love costs, but we all know that the real cost of love the real cost of love cannot be measured in dollars and cents. Let me tell you a few stories about moms who knew this all too well. Stacy Krim was 41 years old when she found out she was pregnant. Her life's desire, the thing that she had grown up wanting more than anything, was to be a mother. She had been told by doctors that she would not be able to conceive, so the news shocked her when she found out that she was, in fact, pregnant. However, a couple months into her pregnancy, it was discovered that she had terminal head and neck cancer. To treat the cancer with chemotherapy would potentially save her life, but it would cause a miscarriage. So the doctors gave her a choice. They said, you can abort the baby, and we can save your life, or you can have this baby, but you will most likely die. Now, I recognize immediately that this conversation can become very political, and so I want you to push that aside for just a moment and put yourself in this woman's shoes. There is no win-win scenario here. Each decision is a sacrifice. 
Stacy Cram chose to have her baby, and moments after holding her child, she slipped into a coma and passed away two days later. Church, love is sacrifice. In Indiana, several years ago, there was a tornado that swept through a small town, and Stephanie Decker was a young mother of two. She had her two children there playing outside, and the tornado was coming in. So she rushed her children into her home. She put them in the basement, and she grabbed a, um, she grabbed a mattress and covered them with mattress and laid on top of the mattress to hold them down. She didn't think that it was actually going to hit her house, but the tornado did. And when the tornado hit her house, a giant beam fell across her legs. Her children were completely unharmed, but both her legs were amputated. Church, love is sacrifice. Joy Verone was on a trip with her husband and her children and her parents several years ago into the mountain. They, They pulled up to the place where they were going to stay And she gets out of the car along with the other adults to go in and check into the place where they were staying. They were in a suburban. And so while they were in the, while they got out, the kids stayed in the suburban. And somehow the suburban knocked out a park and began rolling toward a cliff. Immediately, Joy sprang into action, sprinted toward the suburban. And her father did as well. She was younger, she was in better shape, so she got there first. Joy ran in front of the Suburban, ran her over, but it caused the car to slow down just enough for her father to hit the emergency brake. The kids were saved, but Joy was seriously injured, paralyzed from the waist down. Love is sacrifice. If you have a Bible, turn with me to 1 John chapter 3. This is where we're going to spend most of our time this morning in 1 John chapter 3. First John 3, 16. We know love by this, that he, Jesus, laid down his life for us. Church, I want to make this this incredibly clear for us. We know love when we see sacrifice. You know genuine, true, real, actual love when you see sacrifice. Because love is sacrifice. Mother Teresa once said, Love to be real must cost. It must hurt. It must empty us of self. Jesus tells us in John 15 that no one has greater love than to lay down their life for their friends. Church, I think we recognize this. I think we understand this as parents. I think we understand this to some degree as kids. I I think just as human beings, we understand that real love requires sacrifice. And the point of the matter is, Jesus set the standard for love. There is no greater standard than what Jesus has done for us. Jesus sacrificed his place with God out of love for us. Jesus put on human flesh out of love for us. Jesus sacrificed his divinity to become human for us. Jesus sacrificed his life 
for us. Church, we know this. Love is sacrificed. This morning, you're tasked with nominating the persons you believe are best suited to lead our church as elders and deacons moving forward. That's what we've been talking about this morning. It's why we're talking about this now. But I want to challenge you as you consider those persons to ask yourself this simple question. Help this understand your thoughts. Ask yourself this. Who loves the church? Who loves this church? In the late 1190s, so I know you're all riveted now, 1190, woo! So for those of you who like history, this is going to be meaningful for the rest of you. Just bear with me for a moment. The late 1190s, there were two men who were leading the church. They were alive, they were doing great. One of them, I would guess, that you have heard of. The other, that you probably have not. Giovanni de Pietro di Bernardino created an order in the Catholic Church that was devoted to poverty and preaching the gospel to all of creation. And his name, as you know now, is St. Francis. There's one story actually documented in history where Francis was given an, um, an audience by the Sultan of Egypt. So this was during the Crusades. This was not Christianity's brightest moments. Things were going pretty poorly in the world. And he gets an audience with the Sultan of Egypt. And he's allowed to stay in his presence for several days. It just so happens that the Sultan was at war with the Holy Roman Empire at the time in a series of battles known as the Crusades. And it has been argued that no one else in history was as dedicated as Francis to imitate the life and carry out the work of Christ in Christ's own way more than Francis. At the same time, there was this other guy. His name was Pope Innocent III. He's responsible for the Fourth and Fifth Crusades. That's four and five. That's two of them. And reclaiming authority for the papacy from the kings and princes of the land. When I was first reading this story, do you know what I was struck by? And I I read these type of stories a lot, so this is when you come back in with me. Church, Pope Innocent III seems to have led out of authority. Where Francis clearly seems to have led out of love. The reason Francis was given an order, something that only the Pope could grant, is because the Pope had a dream one night, where Francis was literally holding up the church with his arms. And the Pope had this dream, and he asked Francis about it. Church, it's not hyperbole that there is a church today, and I mean any church, because of people like Francis who loved God and loved the church so much that they sacrificed their lives and their goals and their prosperity for the church. Love is sacrifice. So church, who sacrifices for this church? Is there a person or persons that you have seen go above and beyond to serve people? Who have you seen that is so committed to being a disciple that they choose the harder task instead of the easier task because it is the right thing to do? Who has given up family time for the church? Who has sacrificed being served in order to serve? 
Who is it that when you look at them, you are reminded of Jesus? Because those are the people we want to lead us. We want people to lead us who will lead us to Jesus. And that's all well and good. That's all fine. But if the challenge of this sermon was just to find the people who love and sacrifice for the church or for God, I think we'd be missing the second half of 1 John 3.16. So if we go back to 1 John 3.16, it continues. We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and so we ought to lay down our lives for one another. Church, right now we do not need to be looking at the person around us and determining who needs to lead us. We do need to be doing that. So scratch what I just said because I said it wrong. Church, we absolutely do need to be looking for the people who can lead us. But at the same time, there's another call that we need to heed. Church, we need to follow their lead. That is our task. When we select these people who imitate Christ, we must in turn imitate Christ. We need to learn to sacrifice. We need to learn to love as they do, because that's the way that Jesus loves did you know that our missions, uh, the mission of this church is to love God, to love each other, and to serve everyone? You're going to hear a lot about serving everyone next year, but for just a moment, let's consider the other two. If love is sacrifice, loving God means I will sacrifice, means I will sacrifice time I could be watching football in order to help my older neighbors rake their leaves and mow their grass. Loving God means that I will sacrifice. Loving God means I will sacrifice the part of my income that could have sent me on a nice vacation in order that someone I know may not be evicted. Because love is sacrifice. Church, loving God means I will sacrifice those precious vacation days at work in order to go cook three meals a day at camp. Loving God means I will sacrifice my home in order to take kids in who are living on the streets or whose parents have given them up. Loving God means that I will sacrifice myself and my resources and and my energy to serve God. Love is sacrifice. So let me ask you this. How is God calling you to love him? And that's for all of us. How is God calling you to love him? I challenge you to think about that this week. The second part of our mission statement is that we love each other. So, church, if love is sacrifice, loving you means that I will sacrifice, means I will sacrifice my privacy so we can actually get to know each other. So we can genuinely get to know each other. I'm not going to hide who I am or what my weaknesses and strengths are because We need to know each other. If love is sacrifice, loving you means I will sacrifice my time after work when I would rather be home to go help you move for the fifth time. I know some of you are laughing, but some of you are thinking of a person as well. Right? Love is sacrifice, and that's sacrifice we're going to make. If love is sacrifice, loving you means I will sacrifice my energy and resources watching your kids so that you and your spouse can go on a date. I'll do that for you. 
If love is sacrifice, loving you means I will sacrifice my sleep so that I can show up at a meeting or a Bible study or church right after working the night shift because I love you. Church, uh, let me ask you another simple question. How is God calling you to love each other? Big takeaway this morning. I know you haven't heard this yet. Love is sacrifice. So what are you going to sacrifice? Got two challenges for you, and then we're going to have our closing prayer. First, consider who should be the next elders and deacons of this church. Who loves and sacrifices for this church? Whose model do we want to follow in order to become more like Christ? But the second challenge is this. We're going to follow their lead and determine how God is calling you and is calling me to love and sacrifice as well. Church, if we do this, if we do this, then God is going to tremendously bless us because we will be more and more like Jesus, which is what we're called to be. Hand it over to Leon.